0: we Hey, this is John Hand, and welcome back to Sci-Fi Showcase. You know, during the 1970s, the science fiction genre underwent a kind of renaissance, where films such as the Star Wars trilogy, Star Trek films, and Superman really kind of redefined the way movies were made. But for every big film, there were dozens of really small, unusual, serious science fiction films being made during that time period. And today on Sci-Fi Showcase, we're going to focus on one of the most unusual, one of the most interesting, and one of the most serious of them all. Ken Russell's 1980 hallucinatory masterpiece, Altered States. In the basement of one of the country's leading medical schools... Dr. Edward Jessup, candidate for a Nobel Prize, is conducting the most dangerous experiment in the history of science. And the subject of the experiment is himself. Ask him what kind of an experience I can expect. It's Stephanie! The noise is deafening. you! It's blacked out. What happens during these blackout periods is you get the feeling of phenomenal acceleration, like you're being shot out over millions, billions of years. Time simply obliterates. You guys are shooting up with an untested drug that stacks up in the brain and works in the nucleus of the cell, and you don't call that dangerous. <laughs> the film begins as medical researcher Eddie Jessup, played by William Hurt, is doing after-hours research on sensory deprivation. Uh, He's a researcher who is interested in schizophrenics, people who are seeing visions. He comes off as rather an unhinged, strange individual himself. And he sees these visions that schizophrenics are having, he sees them not as just hallucinations, but perhaps keys into a, a, a different state of reality. He meets an anthropologist uh, played by Blair Brown and they begin a love relationship. They eventually move to Harvard and Eddie finds this tribe in central Mexico who are using this uh, strange hallucinatory drug in their rituals and he goes down there and has this very strange hallucinatory experience, this very strange, it's it's probably one of the strangest uh, drug sequences uh, in all of cinema. This, this film is really highly noted as being one of the top kind of drug-type movies. So anyway, he comes back to the United States with this uh, drug that these uh, Mexican, Central Mexican Indians have been using in their rituals, and he starts testing it on a new deprivation tank in, in Harvard. It's a, it's a much more austere, smaller, uh, danker deprivation tank in kind of the bowels of the university than he was dealing with at, his, at the other medical school that, that he's at. But he's, he's happy and he's researching, and eventually what happens is he begins to have these odd experience where his body is physically regressing. He has this weird idea that within his body, the the genetic code, within the genetic code of humanity are six billion years of evolutionary memory. And he believes that through these altered states and through these altered experiences in these tanks that he can unlock that. And he eventually regresses into this kind of ape-man who runs around and kills a security guard. And eventually, at the end, there's this big climactic sequence where he regresses to this cosmic energy, to the energy of the Big Bang, to energy of evolution itself, and he has this big showdown where eventually the very cells of his body begin to disassociate with themselves, and he's only saved from the brink of nothingness, from the evolutionary nothingness by Blair Brown, who takes takes him back from the edge she actually begins she uh, very courageously the end touches him and and with her love and encouragement she becomes actually infected with this cosmic virus as well and she begins to kind of uh, burn out and, and he brings her back from the brink and they all live happily ever after <laughs> so that's a that's a basic synopsis for the film it's really hard to synopsize altered states because th- the film is this kind of chaotic collision of a simple, basic love story along with this this strange, chaotic, 2001 visual sensibility. There are uh, two to three really incredible standout, hallucinatory sequences in this film, which are just basically take visual effects to the hilt. Altered States began... As a novel, it began as a novel by the, in fact, the only novel by famed playwright and screenwriter Patty Chayefsky. Patty Chayefsky, uh, who right from the start uh, won an Oscar for his uh, screenplay to uh, Ernest Borgnine's Marty. He's probably most well known as the writer of Network. He's kind of known because he has this very specific style of dialogue. It's it's very literate. It's very people talking, uh, you know, speaking essays to each other, basically. And so there's a lot of that in Altered States. Altered States, the book, took years to write. Patty Chayefsky heavily researched this book. It was based on the real-life work of researchers like John Lilly, people who were using sensory deprivation tanks, which, if you're not sure what a sensory deprivation tank is, it's basically this tank uh, that is lightless, windowless, and completely sealed, and people float in salt water in this this, uh, tank. And the idea is that without any kind of external stimuli, one can focus within oneself, and it will have therapeutic benefits. What researchers like John Lilly and other people were doing is that they were taking that one step further and they were introducing hallucinogenic drugs, particularly ketamine. Uh, They thought that this could even cause you to look either further within yourself, it could also uh, induce um, certain stimuli, the hallucinations, which would create an even more of a therapeutic effect. Paddy Chayefsky took this work and he wrote a very dense, very well-researched, very serious piece of science fiction, which, you know, obviously could, could be made into a very serious science fiction film. And... The, the the road to the final release of the film is a very tangled web because the film was initially supposed to be directed by Arthur Penn, the director of Bonnie and Clyde, and you know from the very beginning it was it was very very difficult uh, production. They started out with Arthur Penn, uh, production designer Joe Alves, who had worked with Spielberg on Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind special effects pioneer John Dykstra, who was going to do some of the visual effects, and makeup artist Dick Smith, who was going to do some of the makeup effects. From the beginning, there was always this conflict about where the makeup effects were going to come in and where the visual effects were going to come in. There are a number of articles during this time period where Dick Smith writes about all the challenges and the debates, because at the beginning, uh, a lot of time and effort and production money was spent with the finale of the film where... This is after Jessup has regressed into an ape, and he does this final uh, sensory deprivation tank episode, where he where it really wasn't sure what the hell was going to happen in that room with the tank. There were some ideas that uh, he was, you know, that this tank, that this room is going to burst apart, that, that that there was going to be this that you would actually see Jessup's body kind of disassociate with itself and turn into a Gumby man. Uh, but to what extent that was going to happen? You know, it wasn't quite sure whether it was going to be done with makeup effects or whether with visual effects. Um, they kept just going on and on and on and on and on with this. And also, Patty Chayefsky was, uh, was a part of this, and he, he actually wrote the screenplay. And he was driving everybody crazy. Basically, Joel Alves describes in Cineflex uh, uh, issue number four, which is a great issue with a very long, in depth article on Altered States, which you should check out uh, in case you're interested, in case you actually want uh, first-hand uh, knowledge on Altered States. Apparently, Joe Alves, would just basically, had a number of storyboard artists, and they would just spend days and days and weeks and weeks, really, taking the ideas. They have these gigantic brainstorming sessions. Uh, Dick Smith calls them the Altered States tapes, where they just get in a room and they would just kind of, you know, Throw ideas, you know, back and forth, and and Joe Alves would actually produce drawings based on these ideas, but no one was getting really any kind of concrete ideas of of how they were going to actually render and physically create these special effects. And Dick Smith began to create uh, rubber suits because the because it then became the idea that one of the great effects is is at the end where it was decided that his body was going to become this this weird kind of Blown apart, guy, and then you, and then that's the, at the finale of the tank sequence, and at the very end of the film is the crucial moment between Blair Brown and William Hurt, where William Hurt totally begins to to rupture, and his his cells begin to fall apart, and he becomes even more of a Gumby man. He just becomes this kind of just this you know this walking screaming sculpture type thing and Blair Brown saves him. And all these rubber suits that Dick Smith was creating, that, that got really in-depth and complex and expensive, because initially Dick Smith was just brought in to do what he calls the mole, which is this thing, uh, part of, of when uh, William Hurt begins to regress, there's this thing which kind of travels in seems to travel inside of his uh, underneath his skin and up and down like his interior is like reconstituting itself and Dick Smith was designed to do that He was designed to do the Ape Man, the actual ape suit uh, Which he wasn't really that crazy about But I think he was attracted to the entire concept of the project And this thing at the end, this kind of unknown Of how, gonna, how his makeup effects were going to tie into his end sequence And that was it But as the production went on and went on and went on And these brainstorming sessions got even further And he himself began to spend money and, and do R&D On how he's going to put together these other makeup effects at the end it just got way convoluted and complex to the point where Arthur Penn was fired. John Dykstra walked off the film. Uh, he was just tired of Patty Chayefsky bothering him. It uh, was it was just a very it, it was almost a feeling that that the movie was never even going to get made. That was that was it, was it was it was hung perilously in the balance. And then who enters the film? None other than crazy British director Ken Russell of. The Devils, of Who's Tommy, you know, just a crazy director known for strange, orgiastic, explosive sequences of cinematic violence. Britain's Madman of Cinema. I mean, it seems like an unusual choice for an American science fiction film uh, written by a playwright. But at the same time, he brings his kind of anarchic sensibilities to the hallucination sequences. Uh, the Mexi- the first hallucination sequence is the, uh, well, really the first one he has is in his tank earlier, where he begins to hallucinate about his father and these allusions to Jesus and Christ. I think he also, Ken Russell, brought a lot of that in. Uh, it's just wonderfully strange, crazy, that... That twenty-eyed goat that gets slaughtered—I mean, that's just very, very strange. Um, the the Mexico hallucination is just one of the most strangest, fantastic hallucinations uh, ever rendered on film. The Mexico hallucination sequence takes place in this cave, and there's all these gigantic quick cuts and flashes of light, and like it looks like there are like. Sp- you know, sparklers and and uh, firecrackers going off, but they're they're capturing a certain lens that these fireworks kind of flare as they're being kind of thrown in the background at at William Hurt, and they kind of differentiate themselves. And then William Hurt, you know, sees lizards that turn into his wife, and then they kind of like sit like a sphinx on the sand, and then the sand kind of you know there's a sandstorm that wipes over them, and like. Their are like their their bodies are like become like stone and they're like eroded by the sands of time. It's it's very strange, very uh, kind of modern way of of looking at a at a hallucination. It's it's in some ways very real, in some ways very much like a mini experimental film. It's like there are a number of little mini experimental films that are within this film. Again, harking back to the end of two thousand and one. Altered States really didn't suffer from the loss of John Dykstra, because Ken Russell brought in um, this famous uh, stage designer, stage art designer, who had done a lot of Broadway plays, he'd done some really experimental, crazy stuff, and he he was really game to really experiment and try different things and different ideas. And also, I think it's a little-known fact that Altered States uh, was one of the first films to actually have digital imagery in it. At the end of the film, or was, had digital computer-assisted uh, imagery in it. Uh, at the very end of the film, uh, that that final sequence I've been speaking about where Blair Brown saves William Hurt, where his, his cells begin to disassociate himself, and it starts in a hallway where he begins to change and disassociate, and Blair Brown uh, runs after him. A lot of that stuff didn't uh, initially ha- was wasn't supposed to have any optical effects in it. It wasn't shot on a blue screen. It, it wasn't shot with with any kind of uh, way to pull a mat out of it. And they did uh, was uh, a very very early version of digital rotoscoping in it, and uh, with gigantic uh, rooms full of computers. A lot of it done by hand and done almost like cell animation, where they would digital like it was almost like. It's very difficult to explain it because uh, it's explained very technically in the Cinefix article in Cinefix number four I was speaking of earlier, and it's almost like kind of like a computer assisted design where they would where it would plot out on a graph where William Hurt's figure was going to be and they would create a mat based out of that and within that mat they created they would generate digital white noise essentially uh, and color that recolor that in different ways and then they would um Make a kind of pseudo 3D image. They were working; they were doing some really heavy stuff. I mean, this is probably archaic, strange stuff which will never be done again because it's, it's all kind of pre CGI. But they were they were working with doing pseudo 3D imagery. But I think basically frame by frame, projecting the film and then like. Tracing it on a on a digital tracing board, uh, the in order to give it contours and a kind of a pseudo 3D image. It's it's a little bit difficult for me to describe, but basically, in a nutshell, this this film had some very early digital imagery, uh, frame by frame, done in the style of cell animation. It wasn't you know completely outputted in the same way that we would today. That technology wasn't really that advanced in the 1980s. Dick Smith's makeup effects are astounding, innovative. Uh, any student of makeup effects has probably watched Altered States or studied the um, press stills from Altered States once or twice or 30 times. Uh, the the bladder effect, um, that that initial effect that Dick Smith was hired for, uh, uh, the, the the mole, quote-unquote, uh, Dick Smith calls it a mole, the mole running up and down William Hurt's arms, it was a very uh, innovative and 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 just crazy for its time. Probably some of the first bladder effects had been had been done around this time uh, for the terror within. Uh, Joe Blasco did the makeup on that, but that was very basic. It was just literally balloons. Uh, According to Dick Smith, that was actually, they just literally used balloons and inflated them and the chest heaved up and down. For altered states, he actually um, developed a a very thin kind of uh, urethane. Through his very expensive R&D efforts, he uh, found this type of polyurethane which he could actually conceal under under an appliance. A very thin, making this very thin membrane underneath his makeup appliance, which would conform to the contours of a body, of, of an arm, and he could inflate that in stages and uh, cause that very spectacular effect. That The R&D he was using, he'd done... And Dick Smith himself, uh, along with the terror within Joe Blasco, Dick Smith had also done some really basic bladder stuff in The Exorcist, but again, nothing that had the kind of complexity or uh, realistic nature that went into altered states, and that that R&D that he was doing, he shared that with other people, he shared that with Rick Baker and Rob Bottin, and that kind of stuff went into American Werewolf in London, very big, a lot of nice cha- nice use of bladders and the change o heads, and also, of course, uh, in Rob Bottin's work on The Howling as well. Ape Man, uh, Dick Smith was never really crazy about that Ape Man. I don't think that was one of the reasons why he wanted to to, to make the film. Ape um, Man had custom hair mats that were you know glued to the actor uh, he had some toe appliances um, some face appliances and he had blue contact lenses so that he would resemble uh, William Hurt's character and I guess the biggest and most well remembered part of Dick Smith's work on Altered States are those rubber suits that he made for William Hurt and Blair Brown for their transformations at the end of the film. Uh, Though Those suits were made at a very early part of the production and and they were made when they weren't really sure the of the, the correct sequence and order of how the, the final parts of the film were going to go. And they were made for, actually, Arthur Penn. They were made under Arthur Penn's tutelage. And when Ken Russell came there, he, he made some changes to the suits. First of all, the suits were, you know, as I said, digitally augmented later on, optically augmented. But... The order of the suits was originally kind of a little bit different. originally he was going to have that original suit that where William Hurt still kind of looks human, but he's just kind of beginning to kind of disassociate that was going to be in the tank scene, and then later on at the very end of the film, he would become Gumby, as I was saying earlier he was com- he would become that big thing that has a scream had that that, look, that kind of looks like amongst the scream it's that kind of incredibly detailed um, Piece of sculpture again. Also, another one of uh, Dick Smith's um, complaints during the making of the film was that they'd hired a sculptor to to collaborate with Dick Smith and come up with a lot of this conceptual uh, design. And the sculptor and the sculptor had no idea of, of how to create these his ideas, how to put them in into action as a workable makeup effect. So he came up with these ideas, which were just these total, totally. Locked in gigantic rubber suits that he had to create, and he had to, and Dick Smith had to figure out a way of, of how to cast William Hurt and Blair Brown, and uh, and all these weird poses and do it quickly. He was like a cook, you know. He was coming out up with all these recipes of of uh, casting agents and how to do and actually how to even you know create the kind of cast that he needed to do these full body suits. Because uh, the state of the art as far as makeup effects and materials and urethane and foam. In 1980, really wasn't at the point that it was at the the end of the 80s and the early 90s. A lot of that pushing forward and experimentation came from people like Smith who were really, you know, sharing their work and stuff. Mainly, it came a lot from Dick Smith. Anyway, when Ken Russell came on, he didn't really change the suits, as I was saying, as much as change the aura of the suits, because he had all these grand ideas for the tank sequence at the end. He came up with the idea of of this uh, swirling black hole of water that was that was going down into the bottom of the thing, and then and then also rising out of this, you'd you'd see. Um, the, the Gumby uh, the all messed up uh, uh, Dick Smith rubber suit and a pair, and what what he wanted to have was he wanted to have the camera go into the mouth of that big rubber suit thing and he never really could figure out how he could Now they could get the camera inside the mouth of that rubber suit thing, so that kind of idea was abandoned, and it was left with what we with the final product, basically what we have now, which is still a pretty good sequence. Um, Again, harkening back to 2001 even more heavily because it has a lot of of macro photography and a lot of experimental um, use of flares and some, some uh, video manipulation. Also, Dick Smith's Gumby suit was initially like flesh-colored. Ken Russell wanted it to be painted white because he wanted it to kind of glow and glisten. And, it, and, it, and Dick Smith didn't like this because it took away a lot of the detail he'd worked into the suit. So a lot of changes and strange things going on there. The performances in the film are great. Again, heading up the film is William Hurt. It was William Hurt's first starring film role, really. He'd been uh, doing plays, uh, he'd been a theater actor, but this was his first big film, and then he'd eventually go on to have success uh, a couple years later, with Kiss to the Spider Woman with uh, Raul Julia, uh, so he, he pla- he's this kind of manic mad scientist role. In some ways, very that kind of archetype mad scientist, very conventional. It reminds you of shades of uh, Brundle and The Fly. Um, reminds you of shades of kind of a uh, compelling, demented Steve Jobs in some way, of this guy who's, you know, past morality... Dealing with himself, and he, but he's he's very much a a, a character who is um, self obsessed and self focused and looking within himself. And what is more self obsessed and self focused than finding the birth of the universe within yourself, you know? And so, it, really, the film becomes this kind of uh, conventional love story with Blair Brown as this this woman who's pulling this strange man out of his hole. Blair Brown is just wonderful as his anthropologist wife. Jessup's friends in the film are just a wonderful cast of characters. Bob Balaban, a very early performance by Bob Balaban, where this is at the point of the uh, of the in the late eight, late 70s and early 80s, where where Bob Balaban was, you know, getting that kind of typecast as that brainy professor's friend type guy, you know, he was that brainy guy. He'd already done that in Close Encounters of the Third Kind as the uh, translator. He started off really as in a really creepy role in uh, Midnight Cowboy, you know, remember he was that pervy gay John who does nasty things to John Voight in the movie theater. Uh, but he, at this point he'd grown up and he'd moved past that and he went from Close Encounters of the Third Kind where he played that interpreter to Altered States where he becomes a researcher and eventually he was in 2010 where he played Dr. Chandra, the creator of Hal, so just wonderful, grounded performances all around, and they really deliver Patty Chayefsky's dialogue with uh, the requisite sense of weight and importance. A lot of a lot of really long, long, you know, diatribes that William Hurt goes on that really, given to the wrong actor, could seem uh, really stilted and. Um, unbelievable but William Hurt brings such an obsession to his role of as as Jessup that you really believe what he's saying now Alter states originally it was produced by Columbia the the R&D and the research and the gigantic special effects on on this film it it caused the budget to balloon from 12 million to 19 million and they dropped the film this is halfway through uh, when Ken Russell had, had had, you know, taken the reins and started directing it and had, uh, you know, demolished all the sets that Arthur Penn had approved and had begun to rebuild things and change things. He... That, see, there are two tank isolation tanks in the film. There's this initial upright ice isolation tank, which, appa- according to John Lilly and other researchers, there never was such a thing as an upright isolation tank. There was this upright isolation tank at the beginning of the film that, I, if you notice, it actually has a, a portal on it. It has a window on it. And isolation tanks, that's, that's totally not the concept of an isolation tank, to have a portal where, where a light can shine through. I mean, that's just... Uh, doesn't really make a lot of sense from a visual standpoint. From a, a movie standpoint, it makes absolute sense. But this is again another th- another you know thing that Ken Russell was doing to make the film his own film and and to do also a lot of di- different visual things. But in any case, Columbia dropped the film because it was so large. Because the budget ballooned so much, it was picked up by Warner Brothers and released uh, to relative success, uh, the film was released. Uh, it had a 70 millimeter um, roadshow release as basically big sci-fi films like Star Wars and Aliens in the late 70s and early 80s. They always had a big 70 millimeter release, even if they weren't shot in 70 millimeter. They were blown up to 70 millimeter because you could get it. You could get it on a bigger screen, and also, on the 70 millimeter film strip, you could have a magnetic track of sound where you could have multi-channels of audio, whereas that was just kind of coming in with Dolby stereo, where you could have multi-channel, you know audio. So, you could have better quality audio, you could have a big screen experience, and Altered States was mixed in a, in a type of format called Megasound, which was, again, just as a, a kind of a proprietary term for this kind of multi-channel sound. And the audio, the 5.1 audio on the Warner Brothers DVD, which was released in 1998, is quite striking, is quite, quite brilliant. It's, it's really a, a really wonderful uh, multi-channel Dolby Digital track the the picture on that dvd as i said it was it's a very early dvd release and it's not so hot uh you know over 10 years later it's it's it just doesn't really compete with the uh, modern high definition transfers uh recently within the past couple of years um Warner Brothers did re-release the film on DVD with different cover art, but it's just basically, from what I hear, the same transfer, the exact same transfer. So, I'm really uh, patiently awaiting a high-definition update of this wonderful, brilliant, really great film. Uh, There's not really enough I can say about it It's it's kind of a beautiful mess Beautiful strange film But also a beautiful story Which is, again, as I say again I can't stress in some ways It's a very conventional story But told using the very unconventional palette Of uh, Ken Russell So, Altered States Definitely uh, an underappreciated gem And one that you really want to search out We could be screwing around with this whole genetic structure Now how do we stop this? got millions of years stored away in that computer bank we call our minds. We have got trillions of dormant genes in us, our whole evolutionary past. Perhaps I've tapped into that. <laughs>